Look how handsome I am. Yeah, look at that. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to Fields of Work, your favorite podcast about fields, uh, different fields of work. So sometimes the work is outside and sometimes the work is inside and you got two brothers to tell you the difference. I'm one brother named Sam. I'm the other brother named Max. I tried something a little different that time. I got a little I saw that. that was, you did. The, the best part was that you implied that we talk about lots of different fields of work, but we pretty much cover two. We pretty much cover two. Yeah. Yeah, we do, but we really cover those two. Um, I wouldn't even say we do that. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like you're teaching me pretty systematically, like step by step, about how to be a farmer. Is that not what we've been yeah. doing for the past fifty five no, episodes? We're on we're on fifty yeah, we're on the fifty fifth class of how to become a farmer. And do you feel like you can do it? I think I got a pretty good handle on it. Max, forty yeah. minutes ago you sent me a text that says, Be on standby, off to help wrangle a baby cow. And then you sent me a picture of what looks like a full-grown cow. Yeah, so there was a um, words got jumbled in the in the in the ether, and and someone told us that um, the place where we keep the cows is not on our property; it's down the street. And he, the guy who lived there, was on is actually in the Bahamas. He's on vacation, but he's got a nest cam. Uh, his nest cam went off, and he looked at it, and there was a cow, a cow in his nest cam. And so he called us. I love, to say, hey, I love traditional. A- I love traditional farming. Exactly. You know, some farms are huge and use automated tractors. Some monitor their cows with nest cams. And uh, he called us and said, you know, hey, one of your cows is out. It's like a, it's like a baby cow. And I don't want to you know, say anything about this this guy that gave us this tip, but that is no baby cow. Is he um, not a cow? Maybe he's not really a cow expert. I wouldn't say he is. Yeah, he's probably not well-versed in cattle. Um, not that I am either. And but no, that was a cow that was actually born last spring. So that's a that's a year old that's a year old cow, gotcha. which is a pretty big cow, for being a year old. So how did the um, cow get out? I think we discovered that it uh, electric fence wasn't on for a section, and this cow went ahead and just kind of Hulk smashed a, a plastic T post that was holding up some fence and walked right out. Um, and how did you get so, back in? Um, she I opened a gate and she followed me right back into the pasture. <laughs> Because they're very well, be- they're very well behaved cows. <laughs> Max, you're such a cowboy. I know, I know. Well, here's the thing, right? So, Kira and I've been watching a lot of Yellowstone. So we heard that's what people are watching, and so we started watching Yellowstone. Um, and you know, that's obviously a super cool cowboy show. And is it? I know um, about it. Oh yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's Kevin Costner and a bunch of other handsome men who are cowboys. Um, and it's like modern day out in, I want to say Wyoming. Maybe Montana. I don't know. I should know. I watch the show a lot. And anyways, it's just about like the cattle ranching industry out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a great show. Uh, a lot of death. Did not expect the cattle industry to have so many um, dead humans in it. Do they but have a lot I'm, of episodes where the cowboys open fences and cows just follow them back in to where they need to be? Surprisingly, not as educational as one would hope for a show about ranching. Um, a lot more of a uh, corruption and deceit and lying and all these different things um not so much not so much actual cow wrangling um, so it didn't actually prepare you for today's tonight's mission no no it didn't i wasn't even on a, i wasn't on a horse which is they're pretty much always on a horse yeah. in that show we didn't use our helicopter to monitor the the herd which our herd <laughs> is like 12 cows <laughs> <laughs> so maybe like a drone is what we need um but uh Anyways, yeah, so I've been feeling kind of like inspired, you know, like maybe I want to be a cowboy and get a cowboy hat. 
Um, and then, you know, today. Well, you don't, hey, Max, you know what? You don't have to be a cowboy to have a cowboy hat. That's true. I guess no one's I one surprised. time, did you know that one time I non-ironically wore a cowboy hat to the mall? Really? Where did you yeah. get your hands on a cowboy hat? I don't know. Costume Home somewhere. Dad, I think, maybe had a cowboy hat. You used to have, like, those couple of cowboy hats sitting on top of, like, where, like, the fancy uh, uh, silverware and, like, dishes and stuff were. There was a cowboy hat up there. Oh, yeah. And uh, okay. I figured – I was, you know, I think I was in a bit of an experimental phase in high school trying out some new fashion. And I decided mm-hmm. to get in, get in touch with my Texas roots um, at, while living in southeast Michigan. And uh, I, I wore a cowboy hat to the mall. And then I, I went the – only, the only thing I really remember um, is that I went to the bathroom and a guy came up next to me uh, in the – or like in the urinal next to me and he just said, nice hat. And oh. kind of laughed. And I guess oh. like I, I played it off like Not he was like being it. sincere, but I knew. Yeah. I knew what was happening. Do you think – so he could tell you weren't actually a cowboy in the way guess, that you're carrying yourself? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I've, got the, I've got the properly bowed legs. It looks like I just hopped mm-hmm. off a horse. What was the rest of the outfit you were wearing? Probably not very cowboy. Honestly, huh? I don't. I don't remember. Given that time of my life, it could have literally been anything. Yeah, there's there's a wide probably swath gym of shorts and maybe gym shorts and Crocs. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, <laughs> cowboys. That's like cowboys. I wish. By the way, I wish that. I was. I wish I was joking about what I just said there. But there was a no, period that's... in my life where I was wearing white Crocs and green athletic shorts all the time, usually with yeah. a blue button-up shirt. Yeah, oof. yeah, and a cowboy hat. I mean, what's why not? You know, at that point. Yeah, you're already throwing spaghetti. So far, so far down that horrible sartorial path. Like, why not throw yeah. a hat on it? Yeah, exactly. Put a hat on it. I, it won't. It yeah. can't necessarily hurt. No. Um, and even it you know, you help, can play it off, but it didn't hurt. <laughs> you at least play it off that like maybe that was a compliment. Like, hey, nice hat. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. though it wasn't, because no one's ever walked by and probably said nice, nice shoes or nice Crocs. Yeah. No. So. Um, Hey, Matt. Well, that's rough, man. What's the best condiment? This is our check-in round. Wow, we just we just dilly-dallied for so long before the check-in round question. Yeah. Um, we, we, I, that was our pre-check-in. Now we're doing our real check-in. Yeah. yeah. We, we discovered that I guess we have a tradition where we have to check-in round questions, but sometimes we get good flow from just conversation about life. Yeah. Um, and we decided to stop that with a question. Yeah, exactly. Of, what, is your, what is your favorite condiment? Because why yeah. why ride that? Why ride that momentum that we've no. been creating conversationally? Exactly. Uh, kill it and start over. So mm-hmm. favorite. Sorry, it's favorite best. What is this? What is the best condiment? The best condiment. I mean, the Midwest boy in me wants to say ranch. You know, hmm. love. I love ranch. How do you feel about ranch um, on salad? I mean, it's fine. You know, I hate ranch uh, on salad, but I love ranch. It's. It feels it's it sure too feels thick heavy. to put on yeah. salad, but dip a pizza it, in it. Oh, so good! It stops. Yeah, it stops. Um, really, to make it feel like a salad, doesn't it? I mean, it's just it really takes it from being like a light thing and really just kind of coats it in heavy, heavy milk. Yeah. Basically, is what it feels like. Um, and again, I still love ranch, but it turns yeah. into a slimy salad if you do that. Um, I mean, honestly, milk. that's my go-to. And then I, I love. To, uh, my, my bougie side would say uh, like an like an aioli. I don't make aiolis very often, but if uh-huh. that's ever an option of like a garlic aioli, that's yeah. Um, I'm always I'm always into that. What about what, you? Um, you seem like a hot you, sauce guy. What do you put in ranch on? <laughs> you know, pizza mostly, and that's just because yeah. I eat so much pizza that it really works well yeah. as one of my you know chicken tenders. Obviously, if you're working with the chicken situation, yeah. Um, 
honestly, that's pretty much it. I can't say that I'm like dipping anything too exotic right. into my ranch. Cool. Uh, my I, yeah, I'm a big hot sauce guy, but I was gonna go with mayo actually. Oh yeah, that's man. Can we just talk, can we just say, boy, are we white? <laughs> <laughs> ranch aioli, which is basically mayo. mayo yeah, mayo. it's just mayo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really, we really are. But I've been um. You know, the other day I, I roasted up some Brussels sprouts and I made me a little sauce plate. I love making sauce palettes. You ever make a sauce yeah. palette for dinner? You get a little plate and you put like three different types of mustard and ketchup and mayo and whatever else you have. And then you can just go yeah. to town dipping stuff. Whew. I thought you anyway. were going to say just keep, you just keep putting different types of mayo on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I dipped some, some roasted Brussels in, uh, in some mayo. That was pretty good. French fries and mayo, amazing. Most um, things are pretty, pretty good. It is. I do. I forgot. I forgot about, I, mean, I will put mayo on pretty much any sandwich, or, in, or not any sandwich, but most cases. I will say a couple weeks ago, Kira made a dinner or made homemade French fries, and she just took uh, barbecue sauce and put in a little bit of mayo, and that made a great a great dipping sauce for mm-hmm. fries. So, um, yeah, mayo. Apparently, mayo is all you need, everybody. It's mayo. You know, if you try to add in a little bit of hot sauce to ranch, that makes a nice hot hot ranch. <laughs> Mm, I can't say that's a good word. That's a bad word combo. <laughs> hot ranch. Hot, hot, hot ranch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Well, the good news is now we're in. Now we're in it. Now, we're, now we're in it. I got. I just got so thirsty. Oh. Mm-hmm. Emily. Oh, this, oh, oh, sorry. Is this a, is this an ad read? What are you doing, water, Sam? Please. Do you want me to be on the podcast? You're doing it right oh, now. This is good. We always Thank talk. You. Always I'm talk so about thirsty. guests. Parched. Parched. Oh my goodness. Max, you're far from a, a what's going on? What's going on with your chickens? I saw a couple <sighs> weeks ago that you were like massaging chicken holes and like squeezing them and trying to make eggs come out. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and I, I'll be honest. I was um, Kira was tougher than me and did most of the uh, the the doctor work. Um, I was kind of more of just standing there handing uh, whatever she needed, which is in that case was vegetable oil, uh, <laughs> but. What is, here's what happened. I don't know. Two, three weeks ago, there was one chicken that I had spotted and was just we've, – we've had chicken problems. We've covered my chicken problems. Chickens get out a lot. Well, um, it sounds like not – it doesn't sound like the chickens have been having problems. It sounds like you have problems with chickens, which is different than what we're about to talk about. That's true. Um, I've been having problems with chickens getting out and things like that. But then – It sounds like Max ago, problems. Yeah, okay. Well – Whatever. I guess they just want to fly. I get it. Um, and uh, one chicken had just looked like it was like really lethargic and kind of like dozing off. Like like just it would be standing off in a corner by itself, standing up and then would fall asleep and close its eyes. I mean, I fall asleep or also very sick and not feeling well. And that was probably what was actually manifesting. Uh-huh. Um, and so we kind of noticed that a couple of times and then that chicken was getting like one time some, we threw in some food scraps and it kind of just got trampled under all the other ones and wouldn't get back up. And I'm like, okay, we got to get this chicken out of here and find out what's wrong. So we isolated that chicken to see like what's going on. And at the same time, I've been watching another chicken that was just kind of like slowly getting a bigger and bigger like butt belly area. Hmm. I thought that can't be great. Um, or she's about to lay the master egg. And um, so keeping an eye on this chicken for a while, we decided, okay, we read about it. Like that could be something called egg bound chicken you know, or egg binding so we're like we get the chicken out there that basically just means the chicken's body is producing eggs and something has happened out. where they're getting all it's not coming up. out Ooh. yeah so whether that's like um one is in a weird angle kind of large something else has happened not, not enough calcium in their diet to 
have the muscle contractions be strong enough to push the egg out. There's some there's tons of different things you can do or that it could be. But so we noticed that we pulled that one out too. So we set these two chickens aside and we isolated them um, in the greenhouse because they'd been pretty cold actually. And we were starting to, our, our chicken triage and it began with trying to, we've read online curated hours of reading about what do you do for a chicken that is egg bound. And the other one, the goal was just to like get electrolytes in its system, get it to eat on its own, keep it warm, whatever, and try and hope it get, it get better on its own. Mm-hmm. And long story short is the very sickly chicken that was not egg bound eventually died one morning, just went out there to let it out of the crate and it was kind of on its last breaths there. Um, and as we were preparing to put it out of its misery, it, it died on its own. Um, so it, it was dumped off in the woods to support some other, you know, uh, some more nature out there. The coyotes basically that are around here. I did not expect and, you to say dumped off in the woods, but I guess you yeah. are a farm and I, you didn't like put it in a shoebox and like have a ceremony for it. No, we thought this it was nameless, like this nameless chicken. Yeah, we thought it could be like a Viking funeral down the creek. Yeah. Um, but that would probably just end up with it on the golf course that's right downstream from us. Yeah. Uh, chicken on, chicken on fire. <laughs> but um, so we, we that chicken went in the wood. And for the egg bomb one, not to get blue on the show and all the things we tried doing, but essentially we gave it warm Epsom salt baths and we were Sounds giving nice. it calcium yeah, <laughs> and uh okay we were dissolved the calcium pill into water and we're giving it to it kind of just with a little eyedropper down the mouth um and we were uh the most gross one would be that we were oiling the chicken's vent which is a classy word for where everything comes out of a chicken um so it's kind of a multi-purpose hole right it is yeah this it's a uh, um i can't think of the word for it right now Cloaca? Yeah, it is. It's a one whole. Yeah, it's a one whole situation. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> so we kind of just part of that. Basically, it's exactly what you'd think it's for. Oiling it is to help the lubrication to help it pass whatever egg maybe is going you know, stuck there. The, I'm guessing um, this is Kira we, came to the rescue on this one. Um, she was doing that. I did. I eventually did it one day on my own because she was not around, and I was I was worried about this chicken. And you can tell the chicken's trying to lay an egg. It keeps doing all the things where it's like, you know, it'll go sit down in a dark spot and try and lay one, but nothing happens. And long story short, that chicken's still alive. It has not laid an egg in God knows when. Um, We're wondering now if something else is actually wrong. If maybe there's, there was egg binding and the body stopped producing eggs, but maybe there's a tumor or something else situation going on because this chicken shouldn't still be alive. And it's very much still alive out there running around and seems happy as can be except for its kind of gross, disformed body. Question. Um, so yeah. I have, I have one real question and one stupid question, but I'm going to ask it like it's a real question. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, is it possible that like the body can basically like reabsorb the eggs if like something, if they aren't going out? I don't think so. At least that was yeah. not a thing we really read about. Most of the okay. things were saying that after 24 hours of having an egg bound chicken, like your chicken will start to deteriorate. And this yeah. chicken's going on two weeks of like looking like it okay. is. So either it's a super chicken or it's been mis- misdiagnosed with what its problem is. My other suggestion, you guys probably thought mm-hmm. about this, is why can't you just take the chicken and kind of like, I don't know, squeeze it and break the eggs and then just have it all kind of like run out of it. So that is a thing. That's is actually that really the one, a thing. Wow. Yeah, it's the one step we haven't done because the <laughs> the chicken seems pretty healthy and we're worried. But basically, the chicken can die if it goes poorly. Um, but they do suggest that you can you can break an egg 
And if you want to get real gross, you can use a big old like syringe thing. Not with the, not with the needle, yeah. but just like, and suck out all the yolk because that's what can actually get infected or, yeah. or, you know, it can get infected in there and then it'll yeah. pass the shells on its own, um, which sounds unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and we have not gone to that, that level yet, but that is a real yeah. thing. We did. The other thing I didn't mention was like, we, we were like tried to massage the chickens like little belly as it was, you're trying to like kind of like push and force, give it some extra oomph to get it out of there. <laughs> Uh, all in all, this chicken got so much TLC and time and attention from us, and it's still running around, and we're just leaving it be for now because it's still eating and drinking. doesn't seem to be in any type of pain, so hmm. at this point, it's our weird chicken, and we're just going to let kind of let it do its thing. It's going to end up like um, live birthing a, a bird. Well, that was the one thing that Kieran and I were thinking was, if it is egg-bound, they've been in there this long, and you lay and it lays an egg, if you crack it open, well, have it been incubating in there the whole time like we'll have i don't know i don't know um and who knows if we'll get to find that out see this is the part um, of farming that they don't talk about yeah the the, the oiling chicken oiling chicken vents yeah oiling chicken <laughs> vents and breaking eggs inside of chickens and growing oh, mm-hmm. i see why you're yeah. a plant man yeah exactly there's a reason that i you know, I, I chose to mostly deal in plants um so that being said, we're just kind of monitoring that chicken out. I did call, like, Kira called a couple of different vets to see if anyone worked on chickens, see if they had any idea of what we should do. And they were and like, you're I in the called. south and you're a farmer. Like, no, get out of here with your one yeah, single and, chicken. Yeah, they were all basically like, no, we don't deal really with farm animals or chickens. Um, and then one vet did, and I called them, kind of explained the situation. And she was like, yeah, our vet says usually in that situation, if, if you were to bring it into us, that's a, we're euthanizing it situation. And I was like, oh, I think we can, we can handle that on our own. We, we, we can kill point. our own chickens. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need your fancy drugs. I forgot um, water. Yeah, I know. Thank no. you. Now it's here. Thank you. What a sponsor. What a, what a... <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the, that's the chicken situation still being monitored. I'm sure we'll come back to this uh, this wonder chicken. It's still alive. It's weird um, that they like got sick at the same time. That's you're right on the same thing that Kira was thinking, which is like that's kind of bizarre. I mean, it could be a coincidence. Um, it probably is, but it is kind of a weird one. So we're a little like, we they get fed like a ridiculously high quality food. I don't know if there's a, a calcium issue maybe, and that's why hopefully there's not more egg binding coming up anytime soon with any others. We're gonna try and keep watching. Um, but yeah, it seems a little odd. I mean, we did have really wet and cold weather for a while that could maybe, um, lead to something like this happening. I don't know what else, you know, the other one that died, we don't really know what caused right. it. It just started to get really lethargic. It's comb got really, and its feet got really pale and it just kind of looked, did not look happy. Um, so Why I don't know. We'll see. Live? I'm hoping they can live. I think we looked this up like seven to 10 years or something. That's but like they're gonna. That's like four years longer than I thought. Um, I'm looking up a chicken lifespan real quick, but they're gonna. They say seven years. Huh. A long time. But they stop laying eggs. I think usually around. I don't know a year or two before. I think that point. So, um, at that point, you know, you got to decide what you do with those chickens. Yeah. At most, a farm this size, you'd probably just keep those chickens because right. you grow attached to them. But um, I don't. But one what. One one could in theory could grow attached to a chicken. <laughs> you need you need them for the ambiance. Um, so yeah, I had. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. They're the number one thing that people. You know, like people are like what does Flossie do? And Flossie does nothing. But um, Flossie, but people you. like him. Yeah, and people like Flossie. So I guess you know 
that's what people comment on. People rarely show up, and the first thing they say is like, "That's a beautiful hoop house or a beautiful this you got going on." They, yeah, wow, they your lettuce is flossy. incredible. Yeah, I mean, it could be you know we 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 don't bury the lead. We put flossy right up front when you park, yeah. so that could be it's just the first thing you see. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we could have been really smart. We put them in the very back and people are like, I got to see that goose. And then they have to walk through the whole farm, yeah. you know, like an amusement park <laughs> they have to buy things exactly. in the way. So that's the chicken side of things. And then I've actually been, it is cow birthing season. There is a baby cow um, that was born a week ago um, that we thought that was the one that was originally out tonight. That's why it would have been more of a problem. Um, so there is also now a, a baby calf and we're in, we're in calving season. So he, uh, I might get a, called in name. Uh, I don't know yet, actually, if it's been named. Um, he was born last like Thursday or something like that, and the Sam? next day, I can throw it out there, you know, to All the right, group and you. see and see if that one see if that one takes. Okay. If it feels like a Sam, um, okay. but basically, we had to set up a big scale to find out how much he weighs, and that involved uh, going over there. And luckily, it was like taking a nap and it was laying down, and so after we got the scale set up. Um, we drove over to the cow in the in the UTV and backed up to it. And Bill and I picked it up and put it in the back. And then I laid on top of it and hugged it basically um, to keep it in the back of the, the UTV as we drove over to where the scale was. Uh, he did not like that. Um, bucked bucked a lot um, <laughs> as we bonded in the back of the, of the UTV. And then we drove over to the scale. And, and it seemed like it would be hard to keep him on the scale on his own. So I... I picked him up and, and laid on the scale with him. And then we just subtracted my weight. Nice. So me and a cow sat on the scale together. Um, and then, so we found out that the cow weighs 83 pounds. Chunky uh, oh, boy. He's a chunky boy. So it's uh, the start. Congratulations on being the, um, the, the starring character of the worst moment of that cow's life. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen in its future. Well, yeah, I'm not saying about the future. I'm just saying so far. <laughs> yeah, I would hope oh, yeah. there's something worse than getting bodied <laughs> by you. Um, I have a question. What is your mm-hmm. role during birthing season? Me, it's mostly um, if I get called upon to bring Bill anything that he needs while he's over there. Um, okay. Sometimes, if you want, while we're continuing to learn that farming is a gross and bad uh, business, or at least livestock farming. During birthing season, you have to be careful because uh, turkey vultures will fly around and will peck the eyes out of baby cows when they're lying on the field. Um, what? So you kind of broke you up. Kind of, Did you just say turkey vultures will peck the eyes out of baby cows? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what? the thing they will do. Um, and it's horrifying. And obviously, that you have to kill the cow because have you ever that's seen brutal. that happen? I haven't. Bill had it happen to a couple of their calves over in a larger farm. And he said, it's a horrible sound. It's a horrible, miserable thing to see. Um, so during birthing season, usually what happens, at least during, it happens during the daytime, is you sit out there with a shotgun or something and basically watch over the calf. Where are these cows' parents? They're usually standing nearby. Um, and, They're you know, huge. It just How on, do they not give these birds away? I think that is, you know, their their role for the most part other than you know obviously feeding them but sometimes i mean here's the thing that i've noticed these these mama cows sometimes they're sick of their own calf and they don't want to be around it anymore and that calf is like gonna go take a nap somewhere and lay down but um it's usually in the first like two days of when that cow is born that you need to kind of be careful of that so you become Um, a human scarecrow basically yes yep i would if bill had to do something i would go out there and sit with a shotgun for a little bit 
Um, you know, last year I ran some stuff over there for him as they had to pull one of the baby calves out. Um, so yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if you've gotten, you know, into the, um, I, 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 the only way I can really describe it is the more wet tasks. Yeah, no, I've avoided, you know, the successfully. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always a safe distance away. I mean, I witnessed that process last year with one of the calves that was pulled out, but I was never, uh, I was never, I was never called upon to, um, to be the, the puller. Um, (laughs) so I don't know if that's the rule they call it, but, um, yeah, the cow puller, I think that's what they call it. So unless we get a situation where of the remaining five cows that there's like three giving birth at once and they all need to be pulled out, but I get pulled in. How panicked, like that would be, you would be upset about that, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, but you know what? I've, I've gotten good at burying (laughs) that feeling to uh, (laughs) pretend that like I know what I'm doing and and I'm competent because I don't know if we tell the story of, this is not a gross story, but the story down here of how I, I put the wind, the wind vane on top of the barn. I think you, maybe you mentioned it yeah. or, or something. Also, I just want to say, I, think, I just want to say, we are united in that feeling because that feeling you just described, I have yeah. every day of my life at work. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you buck up and you you pretend that that's not you a thing pretend, that's bothering you. You pretend you know what the hell you're doing and you just you yeah. do your best. Yeah, that was what the wind vane was. That was like I answered the phone. I said, "Yeah, I'll put that up there." I hate heights. And then as soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, "Yeah, I hate heights. I cannot believe I'm going to go do this." Then I went over there and stood on top of like a you know forty foot tall peak and put this wind vane way up there and shook the whole time but i did it and got down and was just like yeah no problem and then i rode that adrenaline for the next 24 hours <laughs> nice. highest high i've felt in years wow. um so you know there would definitely be a fear if i get called in to do that um but you know what that's what happens when you're a small farm crew and um there's a wide variety of tasks that can happen so We'll see. Yeah. Usually, once I get through the spring, it's, it becomes less of an issue. Well, that I, I feel help like with. you kind of need one under your belt. I feel like you're gonna always mm-hmm. wonder until you get that first one under your belt. Then you'll be like, oh, I can handle this. You just gotta catch it, basically, or not even catch you it. Yeah, take it. Yeah. You just gotta. What, what even is the role? Just stand there, make sure it goes okay. Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, if you don't need to be <laughs> called in to, to help it out, uh, yeah. um, you just stand. Na- there, like sure nature, like, they've right, been yeah. doing this in nature for a pretty long time without humans. There yeah. To, uh, Exactly. But otherwise you would, if if it was a stuck situation, you grab, you know, hooves and pull and try and be equal parts uh, forceful and gentle to not hurt the calf, but also actually make some progress. So, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, it is probably one of those like uh, things that your body is actually, you you know how to do it. You know, you just don't realize. So I'm sure it's what it would be. You know, I'd get up there and be like, oh, this is natural instinct kicking in. Obviously, my mo- this is my parenting side of me. <laughs> I know how to pull a cow. Yeah. I know how to pull a cow out. Uh, you see, you see hoofs sticking out of a mother, and you just will go to you get to grabbing. Yep. Yeah. So it's just instinctual. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, let's just say that that wasn't obviously true for the chicken because it's not like I got in there and got a grabbing on this egg situation, which no, is kind of yeah. a similar. A similar issue if you think about yeah, it so really things getting stuck inside of other things <laughs> yeah. yep that's all that's all it is really that's all livestock farming is. i mean most most doctoring is basically trying to fix that i think yeah unsticking things yeah so yeah and that's not the only thing i've been doing on the farm but there's been a, a uptick in uh animal animal jobs animal duties nice so how yeah. is the uh, how the plant stuff going? I know you're doing a spring CSA. How's that going? Yeah, so I mean, we've been I've officially planted some stuff out in the field. So the first plantings um, are in. Um, 
and I've got you know, a ton of seedlings started for the season. Um, and then the other side of things has just been trying to get people signed up for the CSA. So we've been working with Kira to kind of like launch our CSA and, um, you know, it's a pretty late time to launch one. Like, you know, most people have, have the first of the year, they're kind of as a farm have already made that decision, um, and are locking people up. Um, so we've, we made our decision fairly late that we were doing it, but we're, we're past halfway full now of, you know, I think we have five full spots left of the 15. Um, and we don't, it doesn't start till May 3rd. So we have some time to, to finish it off. Um, I'm feeling fairly confident that we will, um, so that's been, it's been nice to know that, you know, I have this guaranteed sale and um, it's only gonna be 10 weeks long for the first one. If it goes well, we'll do a summer one. Maybe um, it's also the kind of thing where I'm always just worried that I'm not going to have the stuff to satisfy it. Um, you feel that way but, every time you do a CSA though, right? A hundred percent. And this is the smallest one I've ever done. This is yeah. 15 shares. I mean, now this farm is obviously way smaller, but the farm that i had almost, you know, barely any farming experience out in Grand Rapids where I helped co-run that farm. We had a 160 person CSA or something Holy ridiculous. Holy mackerel. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it wasn't that big. Maybe it was that a, many. Maybe it was, it was over a hundred. And, uh, and you know, it was me and another a farm friend of mine, a farmer friend of mine who did not have that much combined experience. And, um, you know, we, we stumbled our way through it and I think had a fairly successful season. So I've done it before. I'm sure the second the season gets here, I'll realize I've got plenty of produce for the shares, but we have like a countdown on Kira's phone of like how many days till the first distribution. And I'm just looking at that thinking like, Oh no, I'm running out of time to plant things. that will be ready in time for the first one. Um, but I think once I get past the first couple of weeks, enough is happening on the farm at that point that there's, there's always going to be stuff to fill the share with. So, um, I think, I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. So people seem excited. I'm excited to try it out. Um, you know, it's a shift away from, we're still doing the same market that we were doing before. Um, but it's a shift into a, a kind of more consistent way to sell produce, which is nice. Um, so we'll see, you know, I'll report back as that, as it starts. Um, and if it goes well, well, we'll keep doing it throughout the season and maybe do three short CSAs, three 10 week CSAs. Um, so that's the current cool. plan, at least. But other than that, we've been just kind of rolling with the weather. Got snow not that long ago. When I had, you know, I was bringing my baby, some of my baby plants into the house to try and keep them from fr- frosting. You know, I had frosting I had seedlings. Was frosting on plants. Some... <laughs> Fast it, and um, you know, I've had plenty of my own little. Everybody likes plants and vegetables more, but frosting on them. Yeah, grow up, find an organic frosting I can grow. Um, All right. That'd be gross, actually. And uh, so, you know, it's it's got its, I've had my fair share. I've already had some some failures, but you know what? That's just kind of the way it goes. Um, I baked some of my seedlings, baked and crisp to a crisp when I was, had a heat mat malfunction and didn't, uh, it just kept cooking them. It didn't, it didn't turn off and hit a certain de- degree it was supposed to. And made, so, like roasted pumpkin seeds, basically. Yeah, I came. I, I wish it was just the seed. I mean, it was more sad than that because it was like full baby plants that baked oh, really? and withered away. So I got to like watch some baby tomato plants and some other things uh, uh, just turn into. Did you? So that was a little bit like more come in one morning and you're like, "What happened to these?" Yeah, it was pretty much that situation, and I, I kind of kept thinking, "Well, maybe you know, plants always are real resilient." And so I watered and slowly kind of gave them water and watched them. You know, twenty five percent of them come back to life, uh, and then the other seventy five percent, yeah withered into nothing um so you know 
again, it happens. I was talking to another farmer who has been farming way longer than I have and had a very similar issue happen this year. And you just kind of have to you know, be okay with the fact that that kind of stuff happens. And okay it doesn't matter how long plant, you've been farming. You will, those mistakes murder. will happen. Yeah. And every season I'm a plant murderer to some extent, you know, I'm always yeah. going to, to lose some. So, um, it's picking up. It's not, uh, it's not crazy yet. Um, you know, I've your, are filled, uh, so. what, any sense of what the pest situation is going to be like this year? Um, it's hard to say. I think I'm interested to see what will happen with like the strawberries. If I can successfully get the strawberries before, uh, everything else that likes to eat a strawberry. Um, I've got the fencing up on it and some netting over it. So I'm hoping and God forbid, are you talking about like you know, animals on that? That one would be more animal based, except for slugs can happen on strawberries too. Um, Everybody loves strawberries. We'll They're the best fruit. Yeah, there. And so we'll see if, if that happens, but insect wise, I mean, I'm not really seeing any signs of it yet. Um, it's been really, it's been fairly wet, which I guess is true for every spring. Um, but um, luckily so far, the cold nights have been, I think keeping the start of the bugs away. Um, I hope you get so. some parasitic wasps. I'm hoping I did plant. I started a bunch of seedlings of the flower that's best for attracting those. So I'm hoping that that will be a, a direct correlation and, and they will come. Um, so we'll see if we do. We'll, 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 I'm sure I'll have some good parasitic wasp content. All right, good. That's like my favorite content. Yeah, I figured that and chicken, chicken vents. <laughs> I don't actually need to hear about chicken vents ever again, so we're good. <laughs> we're good on that. Especially, um, I don't need to hear about you like m- like manually manipulating chicken vents. Like, no, thank you. This is a family show. Yeah, but what if I what if I if we successfully do that? That's gonna be a big win, and I'm gonna well, have to talk if, about it. If, if an egg the like size of a softball or a grapefruit comes out of this chicken, then yeah, we'll need to talk about that. All right. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Or if it like rapid fires <laughs> eggs, like some sort of like submachine gun, like in a cartoon, that uh-huh. would also be interesting. Try to get that on. Yeah. Video. Yeah, for sure. I love your concept of chickens, <laughs> how you think their bodies work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mostly cartoon based. It is. Yeah, I can tell. Um, so that's that's the farm update. I'm sure there's other little things I've been I'm missing, but um you know, it's mostly dealing with chickens. Honestly, <laughs> it's been the main thing on my mind uh, for the past two weeks. So, are they still? I'm excited. Is that handful of them still getting out and running around? And you said that was going to become a problem once you have plants in the ground. Um, yeah. So we, after me attempting to continue to essentially make the fence taller, you know, um, putting like rope and like, this, like string from, <laughs> and yeah, it was that I put like two lines of electric fence up there thinking like that'll get them. And then I watched chickens just touch electric fence. Like it was nothing and it didn't hurt them. And I couldn't believe it. I kind of, oh, you've I got guess like anti-electric chickens somehow like mutant chickens. Yeah. Cause it's hot. I touched it. I'll tell you that that fence has got like some serious bite to it. Um, and that felt a bit like a cartoon, like watch a chicken touch it and like nothing happened. And I was like, well, then maybe it's off. And I go touch it and it like, shocks me real good. Like, oh, nope. <laughs> nope. I'm losing um, a real chicken, a chicken run moment. But um, what we ended up doing was going there and, and catching again, the, the four or five most problem chickens and um, decided I'd talk to Bill and he's got more experience that, that we could trim the, the feathers shorter on their wings Um without getting to the ones that where it starts to actually hurt them to cut them that low. And that seems to have worked. Um, 
there's one or two that I think we missed on that day that occasionally get out, but I don't know if their will has been broken because the whole gang can't get out anymore. But the past couple, the past couple <laughs> it's days, it's not fun no if you guys can't come. <laughs> yeah, the last, last couple of days, or like maybe they realized like, oh, that was pretty. I didn't like watching him get his or her getting her feathers cut off for getting out. I'll just I'll stay in here. Yeah. Um. So and you know the other thing is maybe they don't they don't know what happened to the chicken that got sick. You know, the, like chicken <laughs> just like disappeared. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you're in their heads now. Yeah, so it's all mind games, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm ahead of them currently, which is to say they're not getting out as often now, um, which is good timing because it would it would definitely become I can't cover everything forever, um, and it would become an issue if they started to. It's actually what happened a couple of days before we cut their their wings a second time was I just planted a, a, a two beds with like some salad greens and uh, I went inside to do something, have lunch, came back out and like three of them were over there just like, kicking around in the, the brand new just bed of having a great time. They're like, Oh, you planted yeah. a, a, a delicious buffet for us. Thank you. Yeah. Like you, you turned the soil. So now that there's worms and seeds and they were loving it. And I was, uh, I was furious. I, I may have ran out there in my socks. I don't remember what happened <laughs> um, and scared them back to the coop. And that was like the last, the last straw. So we, we grabbed the scissors and got back to work. Um, and now they know. That they can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens if they get out. Yep. All right. So well, that's 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 the state of the of farm. Good, lots of good stuff happening on the farm. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, kind of CSA gets closer. Um, I have a and question once for the weather, you. Gets, yeah. So daylight savings time. This whole moving mm-hmm. the box thing. The biggest reason mm-hmm. I, uh, people are like, oh, why do we do this? And like people like kind of hand wave around I, for the farmers. You know, farmers mm-hmm. need it or something. Um, how do you how do you feel about it? Um, I don't really know how it helps me. I'm very confused by that. Um, it, it does, I guess. What so in this situation, it would push it pushes the sunset back later, right? Sunset back um, later, so it's darker in the morning. Yeah, which is nice. I get to sleep in a little bit more, but I don't know how that would ever. I think most farmers mm-hmm. are going to get up regardless and get to work regardless. And I feel like there's got to be a better uh, I mean, actual I think reason for why I was reasons too, but I thought maybe as a farmer you'd have like special insight. It's but, all right. um, no, but it, it did it messed me up more than it normally does this year. I feel like I was really, um, really out of it and sleepy and like from losing that that sleep from that one night. Uh, it seemed like I had more of a carryover effect, but or you know I'm just one year older and maybe my body's worse at handling things like that. Who's well, to, who's to say? Max, let me t- let me bring you in a little secret, little secret here. As someone who is a little further down this path uh, than you are, ten years to be precise, um, that is a thing. Okay. Well, I can feel it. I can feel it coming. Um, <laughs> not just sleepiness, but my body hurting too. So this is exciting. Yeah. Um, that 10 year gap might get closer in terms of how our bodies feel if uh, I continue to farm and, <laughs> yeah. and so you can continue to do the work that you're doing. I think we might find ourselves on a level playing field here in maybe 10 well, years. I'm sorry for, for you because you're getting the short yeah. end of that stick. Yeah. Well, it's a little, it's a little self induced, but uh, yeah. you know, there's probably, there's probably things I could be doing, but you know, who knows, who knows what those are stretching. I don't know. Working out. Kid sleeping on a better bed, those are all definitely possibilities. <laughs> those are all, I'm sure those would do something. Yeah. But all right, what about you? You were, we've, we've canceled some, we canceled a recording last week. You were traveling. I was traveling. Um, I was, I did my first international uh, travel since COVID last week. And by international, I mean Canada. Uh, but, 
it was a pain in the ass because I had to get COVID tested. I had to have a negative COVID test in order to like check in for the flight, which was fine for the way there because I have a COVID testing site like directly across the street from where I live. But coming home from Canada, I had to get it done at the airport and there was a whole sort of like bureaucratic snafu involving the fact that my passport says Samuel and my test said Sam and it wouldn't accept <laughs> it. And I had to like run You're... around and like get them to change the name on the test. And I thought I was going to be, thought I was going to miss my flight as I was running around being all hectic. And I had gotten there insanely early uh, because for this very reason, I didn't really know what the COVID procedure was going to be. And still I was, yeah. it looks like I was going to miss my flight because of their screw up. And then at the last moment, um, my flight got delayed by six hours. So it was all it didn't, it didn't freaking matter. And I just and sit in the Toronto airport all day. The world was looking out for you. So the same it, time was it? Plane. Was it? I think it did a little <laughs> bit too much. I my my travel day ended up being about twelve hours, and I could have driven from Toronto to DC in less time than that. Really? Should have rented a car. I know, I <laughs> but. But yeah, anyway, how was, how was the uh, but, the, trip but the, the actual trip itself was good. Uh, so my my colleague who is working on um, this Dow stuff, their name is Tanisi, and they usually live in Halifax, um, but they were visiting Toronto because I think they were going to potentially move there. So easier for me to get to, to Toronto um, than Halifax. So met them in Toronto, and then we did basically we rented a conference room at a WeWork and spent a day working on the some DAO stuff uh, together. And it was really productive and we made some good decisions. And it, I think it was a good use of time, even though the return flight was a huge pain in my butt. So you were only there for one night? Uh, two two nights, nights, one like work day. So like flew gotcha. in like on a Wednesday night, worked Thursday, came home Friday. In theory, it was supposed to be Friday morning. It was actually Friday night. The show we usually we usually talk a little bit about your uh, your actual your flight experience. Um, not mm-hmm. maybe not just the delay there. How was your uh, was your time on the plane? I know you're no longer a um, premier special <laughs> gold member. Well, and... the flight from DC like that's it's a short flight, so it's a pretty small plane. So there's not even really like a nice first class or, or anything. Um, no, okay, I was just cool. Back, I was just back <laughs> with the cattle, <clears throat> like like the, like the cow that I am. Um, yeah. It was fine. I mean, I have fully embraced the board last uh, ethos. Um, yeah. I really like that. Being the last person on a plane is ooh, it's good. It feels good. Minimize the amount of time that I spend on a plane. I love it. It's even better. I even if I'm even able to to fly first class and still be the last one on the plane, that feels even more special. And uh, I'm I've I've been really leaning into that. Wow. Yeah. Life. That's a life hack from Tim Sperling right there. It's get good. On the plane last. I used to be on the other side. I used to be like, no, you want to get in as soon as you can. You know, make sure you have overhead space. But if you don't need overhead space, why spend extra time on the plane? Especially during these 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 trying times. Yeah. Well, any time on a that plane is trying time. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that, it was good. I mean, I like I like to travel. Um, in, well, most of the time, I like to travel. Uh, so it felt good to to do that. Stayed at a decent. Decent hotel. You got to eat uh, eat a pretty tasty burger one night at a place right across the street. Uh, the hotel actually had a good restaurant that I ate at one night. And what else? Oh, I ate at a nice diner. I love me a diner. Uh, Where else did you eat? Where else did you eat, Sam? 
Max, I know you care about this. I do. I just, you know, I need, I either need more detail <laughs> or I need to know like a name of a place or like what, you know, no, what's the I most don't. interesting thing you ate on the menu? I ate, you know, I, I had, um, okay, so I had for breakfast at the diner, I had, uh, it was English muffin with smoked salmon on top with a hollandaise sauce over it all. Uh, that was pretty good. I've gotten really into smoked salmon on baked goods. Oh, really? Can we, hold up, let's talk more about this. <laughs> This is this is fun. What is, tell me more. How did that happen? You stumble your way into it. Uh, well, kind of. Moment? At our our last retreat, um, a part of our gift boxes from the Ready, basically we got sent like legit good food from New York. And one of the things we got sent were a bunch of New York bagels with cream cheese and locks. And oh, that nice. was, yeah. I think, the first time that I've ever really had smoked salmon on a bagel. And I was like, holy cow, this is incredible. And then I saw it on the menu in Canada. And I was like, I remember you. I like you. And I put it, and especially with hollandaise sauce on top, uh, it was really good. Have you ever had smoked salmon too. on a bagel? Uh, I don't think I've had it on a bagel. I like smoked salmon. I don't think I've had it on a bagel. But I feel like having lived in New York, I feel like you would have had to have tried that at least once. You would think so, but I didn't. Well, I was under the inf- the uh, the I was under not the influence. Why do I want to impression? Under the impression, thank you, that salmon was bad for my tummy. But in the last okay. like year or so, I've figured out that actually salmon is fine. So I think maybe that coincided with my New York time. Yeah, you guys share a syllable, so we got what? <laughs> you and salmon share a syllable. It's gotta oh be good God. for you. What? <laughs> We share a syllable. Dude. Yeah, I was gonna say Sal- that name, but you know, could you? That's like that wasn't accurate. Wow, that's all okay, right. That's yeah, usually we all I'm have the one making like <laughs> terrible jokes that are like barely puns, and I don't know what that was, but that was like on on par with some of the stuff that I bring to this show. I thought I'd I thought I'd give it a go to see what it was yeah, like to feel? say something like that. How bad? It, feel? <laughs> it felt really bad. See, that's the difference like between really... me and you because I would feel yeah. good about that. Yeah, and I feel like I really killed whatever we had maybe going. Uh, as you had to hear it a second oh, time. Wait, what we had going was me describing the food that I ate in Toronto, and not really oh, yeah. even describing the food, just naming the types of places food, that yeah. I ate at. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we weren't getting much detail there. I'm gonna say you also didn't uh, eat that type of bagel when you were in New York because you were probably the farthest thing away from a of a being a genuine New Yorker while you were there. Um, what are you talking about? I mean, you rode a subway and stuff, but I feel like Sam, you never. I know it's true. New Yorkers never go to the the fancy or not go to the uh, the landmarks. Obviously, did you but I just ever feel like... see the apartment that I lived in 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 New All York? Right. Did you do you not remember the videos I sent of the rats climbing through the dumpster in the behind my building when it rained? Don't you remember? I this? forget. Yeah, those were horrifying, <laughs> and I do. I yeah, was a I, real New Yorker. <laughs> Pigeons walked in your on your pillow. Pigeons your invaded my <laughs> invaded my room my my apartment when I left the windows open for a day. Yeah, that was pre this podcast. That that feels like a story we're yeah. telling at some point. Maybe I mean, it, right it's now, right. <laughs> my apartment didn't have AC, didn't have anything, didn't have screens on its windows either. But it did have these bars, and I would open the windows, and I never really thought that pigeons would be interested in actually getting in my apartment. So. I left my windows open when I went to work one day and I came home and when I came into my apartment, there were no actual birds in my um, in my apartment, just a lot of evidence that a lot of birds had spent a lot of time in my apartment during the day. Shit everywhere, <laughs> feathers everywhere. 
And like it was like there was a bird rave in my apartment while I was gone. Um, and then there nice. was the one time that Emily came to visit me, and a bird actually did come into the apartment, and she handled handled it poorly. Let's just put it that way. And and you handled it with grace. Uh I don't know if I handled it with grace, but compared to how she handled it, yes. Yeah. The only story I think the only New York story you shared with us is the the sad sad night where you ate Indian food over the sink. Um, <laughs> no, that, that was yeah. silverware. I may have told. Any... I probably I've probably told that story on the podcast because it's related <laughs> to working at the ready. But yeah, that was the day. The day I got laid off from Undercurrent was the day that I moved into my new apartment that had no furniture, no silverware, no anything, and I ordered Indian food delivery, and they delivered it with no. Uh, no plasticware, no silverware at all, and it was Indian food, and I had no way to eat it other than with my bare hands while I sat on my bare floor. Good time. Look how far you look how far you've come. <laughs> look how far I've come. I have silverware now. <laughs> I eat with forks. You put smoked salmon on a on an English muffin. I'm sitting in a chair right now. <laughs> you have a chair. I think yeah, the house has more than one chair, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So we have. You know what, Max? I'm lousy with chairs. Chairs You're everywhere. Lousy. I've come you know, the a show way. Up. It's this podcast. It's done a lot for you. Yeah, it opened so many doors. It did. It opened so, so many doors. It's <laughs> it's really been remarkable. Uh, work so, is going well. Dow stuff yeah. is going well. <laughs> we, I mean, so basically the purpose of the trip was, so we did the first trimester of this Dow initiative was really us figuring out like what the hell is happening in Web3? What do we need to understand to like even be able to like show up and like talk about it coherently? Um and start to experiment with is the stuff that the ready does the the consulting that we do our theory of how organizations work is it relevant to DAOs at all that was all initiative one we definitely learned that we have lots of stuff to offer to DAOs a lot of the things that we do with traditional organizations are super relevant to DAOs as well now that we're in the second version of this initiative which our last retreat was what at the end of february and this runs through june we um, wanted to kind of shift focus a little bit and not just figure out how to bring our existing way of doing this work to DAOs, um, which is what we were doing in, in the first version. And that's still valuable. And if, even if you know what comes out of this whole effort is that we have stood up kind of a new, what you would say, like a new vertical of the, the work that we do. Like that's valuable to the ready if we are able to, to sell the work to, to DAOs. But it's more interesting for us to experiment with other business models and other opportunities that are not just kind of our consulting as usual or our advising or workshops as usual. So we wanted to get clear about what are the things that we could try and then um, how can we learn as quickly as possible whether these things are actually feasible um, as business models for, for the ready. So that's, that's what we were doing in Toronto. We have a list of stuff that we're gonna experiment with deliberately over the next few months, um, you know, ranging from one of the things that we're talking about is this idea, what we're calling like a contributor uh, accelerator program. Uh, contributor is just a refers to somebody who is contributing to a DAO. Um, like what is the experience that we can um, give people kind of like through like an online course, partially asynchronously, partially like 
in session, real-time sessions with us. Um, what's the experience that we can give people that will help them be able to better contribute and better navigate these self-managing organizations called DAOs? Like we have a lot of expertise in that. So is there like a, an educational experience that we can offer and sell to, to people? Um, can we do something with, with Murmur, which is that company that the ready spun out a couple of years ago, that's building software. And we're realizing that this software might actually be really relevant to DAO. So what if we really focused on kind of being, you know, the, the tip of the Murmur, sp uh, spear into, into DAOs, bringing Murmur to DAOs, teaching them how to use it and really helping them get up and, and running on it. So we have like five or six of these various things that we're going to try to do between now and June and see if there's something big worth um, really investing in uh, after that. Um, I'm going to ask, um, I'm sure I'll ask a million uh, dumb questions about, mm -hmm. oh, they're not dumb because a lot of people don't know any of this, anything about yeah. this stuff and myself included. If you are a contributor to a DAO um, at the simplest form, what does that mean that you are actively doing to be a member? Are yeah, you, well, what do you you think that's a simple question, right? Uh, but it's really different from DAO to DAO. So like some DAOs are incredibly permissionless, meaning like you can just show up in their Discord. Um, Discord is like Slack. It's like where conversations yep. are, are uh, happening and just show up and get a sense of like what sort of work needs to be done and volunteer to do it and then maybe get paid for it uh, if after you after you do it. Um, a lot of DAOs are like that. Um, some DAOs have more of a filtering um, process to becoming an actual contributor. So, you know, kind of like need to apply or you need someone to vouch for you or, or there's some sort of filtering to become a, a contributor. And, and some treat their contributors like almost like employees. Like you have, like they, and, and some are, are literally are employees. So it really depends DAO, uh, DAO to DAO. Once you be Become a quote unquote contributor to uh, whatever your DAO is. You are just actively participating in the conversation happening around the group. You are actually taking an active doing, role. Yeah, doing, yeah, doing work. I mean, what? if you're if you're a, it kind of depends on like what the DAO is, like what the purpose of the DAO is. But a lot of DAOs, like some DAOs, are like actually making software. So maybe you're a software engineer or you're a developer. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you have marketing expertise and you're at, kind of working on the marketing um, side of things with the DAO. Um, a, a, a kind of DAO, a, a unique sort of unique DAO uh, contributor role is um, like a community manager. So someone who is like helping cultivate the community of people who are, um, you know, helping or the community of contributors and the community of people who are a fan of like what the DAO is doing and want to, to help you succeed. Or maybe they're just you know, token holders of, of the DAO, but DAOs often have um, kind of large communities around them that they try to um, like activate in useful and productive, uh, productive ways. And again, it really depends on the DAO. If we're talking about a DAO that's building software, that's, it's almost can almost be like company like in a way, but there are DAOs that are like, basically like social clubs. Um, like one is called friends with benefits. That's, and it's like, just like it's, you have to like get someone on, 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 who's already in the DAO to like vouch for you. You have to hold a certain amount of their token, which usually equates to a couple thousand dollars. Um, and then once you're in, they do like put on events and they, like, you have access to like the people who are part of that um, DAO. So it's like a very different sort of thing. Yeah, it's weird, yeah, weird uh -huh. stuff. 
I'll have to do my homework so that I can continue to uh, try and bring some questions yeah, for the, all the listeners see, who are like me. I should look around a little bit and see if there's any sort of like, uh, I'm sure there are DAOs that are somehow focused on agriculture or farming in some capacity, whether it's like a lot of DAOs are actually trying to um, like fund or create public goods. So there are DAOs that are essentially like charitable organizations that are trying to raise money uh, for various um, sorts of, of organizations. So I'll, I'll do a little research and see if I can find any DAOs that might be relevant to, uh, to your interests. It would be interesting. I bet my my gut instinct is to say, even though it's an old fashioned, you know, and oh, sorry, I should say older uh, employees set normally for farming. You know, the average farmer is like a 55 year old white man, uh, at least as of, you know, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the people that are actively participating in anything that would have would be people that are on big ag operations because so much of that is done with already with software, you know, with your John, like the huge tractors are incredibly you know technological beasts basically and the people that actually a lot of those farmers are just way more in tune with you know uh programming and software and how to basically you know um make their autonomous vehicle do the work um and i wouldn't be surprised if there is a lot of uh a little bit of crossover those people that are very tech savvy but are in the farming world um especially with all the, the the things going on nowadays with um John Deere and and the right to fix your own tractors and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of that going on uh, in the in the big ag world. That I wouldn't be surprised if there is some of that community that's centered on that. I'd be curious to see what the uh, small scale ag uh, scene is like. If there is, I'm sure there's something out there, but it'd be interesting to see what it is. Well, I just tweeted: Are there any DAOs related to farming slash agriculture? So we'll see uh, if anybody comes to the rescue. Probably not during this episode because I think we should probably wrap up. We were saying this was going to yeah. be a short episode, and now we're like an hour in. Yep, that's how it goes. We just have so much to talk about, Sam. Chickens, there's cows, there's DAOs, there's <laughs> food. Yeah, <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> uh, there's just you know we've all we've covered all I think the big the big three really on the on the podcast here, chickens, um, cows, and dows. Yeah, yep. That's kind of what it's going to be. I think this this season. Um, I'm hopefully less so. for me less cows. Hopefully it becomes more uh, plants, more plants, less cows. Uh, is the goal. Well, but, thank you for landing. Thank you for us. Um, thank for for saying the thing that now just became the title of this episode. Yeah, what's that? The chicken, cows, and cows. Chickens, chickens, cows, and cows. Yeah, it's a pretty good uh, mashup of the, the the two worlds that we travel in. I mean, it's it's it should almost become the title of this podcast. Anyway, let's stop <laughs> it talking. really should. Let's, let's just get out of here. I'll talk to you whenever we do this again. Sounds good, man. All right, later. See you.